please join with me in prayer. Father, again, we approach your throne of grace. We ask that uh, as your word has been read uh, in the hearing of your people, and now I've been given charge to proclaim um, the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that uh, you would pour out your spirit. I pray that you would be our teacher. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the first substantive uh, Christian books I read as a young Christian was J.C. Ryle's classic uh, entitled Holiness. And if you're interested, you can get um, that book for 99 cents on Kindle. It uh, remains one of my favorite books. Uh, And in that book, uh, Ryle had a sermon on this particular passage, and he entitled it, The Ruler of the Waves. That sermon made such an impression on me, uh, now I guess 34 years ago, uh, it made such an impression on me that I can still remember the title. So I used that title for this morning's sermon. With the recent passing of Kobe Bryant and his daughter in a helicopter crash, it reminded me of Forrest Pollock and his son Preston. Forrest Pollock was the pastor of Bell Shoals uh, Baptist Church uh, here in Brandon. And on May 12, 2008, Forrest and his son uh, were killed in a plane crash. He was a pilot and they were traveling up to North Carolina. Not only was um, Pastor Pollock very well liked as a pastor. He and his wife had six children, and the oldest was only 15 years old. Uh, I remember how um, he and his son's death shook our community. Uh, Many were shocked because he preached that Sunday. He got on the plane that Monday morning and was suddenly dead before the day was finished. Without warning, suddenly and unexpectedly, he and his son were ripped from this life. We had a presbytery meeting the day after he died, and even though Forrest Pollock was a Southern Baptist pastor, we held a season of prayer for his family and his congregation. Sometimes we are apt to think that being a Christian means that we are excluded from experiencing the terrible and sudden storms of life. Sadly, we are not excluded. As many of you have learned through bitter experience, the disciples learned this lesson one night as they were crossing the Sea of Galilee. After a long day of preaching to the crowds, Jesus and his disciples... um, Or Jesus said to his disciples that they should go across to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And listen to how mundane this passage sounds as it begins in verse 22. One day he got into a boat with his disciples and said to them, Let's go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. Mundane. Very common. Um, 
And it was so uneventful. What do we find our Lord Jesus doing? Verse 23, And as they sailed, Jesus fell asleep. The Sea of Galilee was an oval-shaped lake. It's about uh, eight miles across. But what is unusual about it, there are two features that are unusual. One, it is the uh, lowest uh, freshwater lake on the face of the earth. It's 686 feet below sea level. And it has uh, a hilly uh, region all the way around it. Low mountains uh, uh, circle the lake. And so... The cold air from the hilltops will, will sweep down uh, to the lake. And as it sweeps down, it stirs up the lake violently and very suddenly. And it can whip uh, the Sea of Galilee into a fury in a very short period of time. So this is what happened while Jesus and his disciples were crossing the lake. Look again at verse 23. Jesus is, uh, is asleep in the boat. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. Apparently, this was an unusually fierce storm, even for the Sea of Galilee, that had a reputation for such storms. At least three of Jesus' disciples were fishermen that made their career fishing on the Sea of Galilee. They were out there every night Fishing, So they were certainly well aware of, of these types of furious storms and how quickly they could, could brew up. But even they are overcome with fear that the boat was about to sink under the fury of the storm. So what did they do? They rushed to wake up Jesus, verse 24. And they went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. You know, this is the way life goes sometimes. Everything's calm. And then sudden, suddenly something happens. Suddenly and without warning, a terrible storm blows into our life. Sometimes the storm is so fierce that we feel as if we are going to succumb to the wind and the waves. J.C. Ryle says, It is good to understand that Christ's service never did secure a man from all the ills that flesh is heir to, and never will. If you are a believer, you must reckon on having your share of sickness and pain, of sorrow and tears, of losses and crosses, of deaths and bereavements, of partings and separations, of vexations and disappointments, so long as you are in the body. You know, at this point, we should probably pause and go back to verse 22. Whose idea was it to go across the lake? Verse 22, one day he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let's go across to the other side of the lake. It was the Lord Jesus. Now when we are in the middle of a storm in life, or if we are in the aftermath of a storm that has passed, it's common for us to play the what if game. You know, what if I had done this better? 
What if I had not done that? What if I had been more faithful? What if I had been more attentive? What if, what if, what if? Jesus did not make a mistake when he directed his disciples to cross the Sea of Galilee that night. Or to use the the popular Christian uh, jargon, Jesus and his disciples were in the perfect center of God's will. In other words, the storm came upon Jesus and his disciples very intentionally. God sent that storm. We can be in the center of God's will and still find ourselves in the center of a very fierce and furious storm. Our God is a sovereign God. Uh, He's in control of everything that happens. He has a good purpose in all that happens, even the storms that would threaten to overwhelm us. Psalm 135 verse 6 Whatever pleases the Lord, he does in heaven and on earth and in the seas and in all deeps. Even on the Sea of Galilee. Even in our life. Isaiah 45 verse 7. God says, I form light and I create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity." I am the Lord who does all these things. Lamentations 3, 37 and 38. Who can speak and have it happen if the Lord has not decreed it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both calamities and good things come? Romans 8, 28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Not some things, not many things, not the big things in life, but also the mundane things. All things work together for good because our God, your God, is in control. If you belong to God, everything in your life Even the most unpleasant and difficult things are under God's good and sovereign control. Every storm in life is for God's glory and your benefit. Even if we cannot understand what God is doing. J.C. Ryle spent several pages of his sermon that I mentioned earlier uh, on this topic with... with, uh, many helpful practical remarks. So if you want to explore that topic at length, I would recommend his sermon. Again, it is entitled The Ruler of the Waves. His last name, R-Y-L-E. When the storms of life are breaking upon us, sometimes it can feel as if God is unaware or that he doesn't care. Where is God? When this or that's happening in my life. Where was God when I made that awful decision? In our passage, Jesus provides a good example uh, for how God seems to be unaware. Where's Jesus in our passage? He's unconscious. 
He's asleep in the back of the boat. Mark's parallel passage says he was in the back of the boat, sleeping on a cushion. Presumably, I would think, under some type of cover. Jesus was sleeping through the thunder, through the lightning. He was sleeping... um, even though the boat was being tossed here and there by the wind and the waves. <coughs> when I was a senior in college, um, at, the, uh, after the, at the end of my first semester, I was playing on the ba- college basketball team. I had a 50-page senior integration project uh, paper that I had to write. I was cramming for finals. I wasn't getting any sleep. One day, I fell asleep on the floor right in the middle of my room. And I had five other roommates. And so uh, they took pictures of themselves standing on my back while I'm asleep. And I never woke up, never knew until I saw the pictures. And then there's the infamous story of me sleeping through the night um, after finals week uh, in seminary and our daughter was sick and my wife said maybe we should take her to the ER and I said I think she'll be alright I fell asleep she could not wake me up she spent all night in the ER with my daughter while I slept at home and when she got back in the morning I finally woke up and I said see I told you she'd be alright <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. That is completely true. I'm sure my wife can verify it. She has verified it many times during our marriage. Um, So I can understand how Jesus slept through the storm. You know, him sleeping through the storm, being exhausted, reminds us that our Savior is truly a human being as we are. Hebrews 2, verse 17, Jesus had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. And then Hebrews 4, 15 adds, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. J.C. Ryle comments, It is impossible to conceive of a Savior more suited to the weakness of man's heart than our Lord Jesus Christ, suited not only by His power, but also by His sympathy, suited not only by His divinity, but also His humanity. And then beyond being tired, I believe our Lord Jesus went to sleep to test the faith of his disciples. Now, to be clear, Jesus knew the quality of each of his disciples' faith before he tested them. But um, the disciples needed to know the quality of their faith. You know, they were part of the inner circle. You know, Jesus has, has especially called us. Can you imagine? That would lend to being prideful. That would lend to being presumptuous. Jesus has called us. We must be special. And so the disciples needed to know the quality of their faith. 
In fact, Jesus tested their faith many times. This was a common method for our Lord. Remember the time that Jesus fed the 5,000 in John chapter 6? Here's how that passage began. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. God sends trials and tests into our lives to help us know the quality of our faith. God knows we need help knowing what's going on in our hearts. Our faith can often be mixed with pride so that we serve Christ to be admired by others. Our faith can sometimes be stuck in the habits of life that are displeasing to God, but because we're so close um, to the habits, we're so comfortable with the habits, we don't see them as wrong. We justify them. Even though they are displeasing to God. And so God will send a trial into our life. A storm into our life. Some hardship to help us see the quality of our faith. You know, sometimes we just become careless as Christians. We've got so many things that we're doing. Work is especially busy. The family time is things going on in the family. Uh, Bills need to be paid. We get so busy and we're going along with the flow of life that we give little serious thought to God. And so God sends these trials into our life to help us examine the quality of our faith. The, the storms that suddenly come upon us demonstrate oftentimes that we have more weaknesses and frailty than we might be aware. And I know that I'm talking to, to many of you who know the ways that you have fallen, the ways that you have, the weaknesses in your life. And you may be overcome with grief. And I want to encourage you. God knows that we struggle. God knows that every Christian is going to struggle on this side of perfection. Before the Lord Jesus comes, we all will struggle. We all will fail test. But a Christian... A Christian heart, a heart that has been changed by the Lord Jesus, will want to honor Him in spite of the fact that we often fail. But God is going to send trials into your life. Let you know where your weaknesses are. Let you know where you need to repent, where you need to change, where you need to look to the Lord Jesus for refreshment and renewal. So not only did God send a storm, but again, where was our Lord Jesus? He's serenely sleeping in the back of the boat, unaware of the danger that they are about to sink. And God, I believe, sometimes will appear absent or unaware to draw out our faith in Him. Psalm 13 is a great example. David's going through one of these trials where God seems to have withdrawn. And David cries out, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? 
How long shall my enemy be vexed over me? Believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you belong to Jesus, even when God seems distant, He is near to you. Trust Him. Commit and recommit yourself to Him. He is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. No matter how severe the trial, no matter how furious the storm, no matter how imminent your demise, your drowning under the trial might seem. Our Savior is sufficient for every storm that comes upon us. Look again at verse 24. And they went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. (coughs) Did you get that? Jesus spoke to the storm as if the storm had to answer his authority. Apparently, the storm did have to answer Jesus because it obeyed his command. Jesus Christ, though fully human, is no less than Almighty God. God and man forever. This miracle of calming the wind and calming the raging waves waves was proof positive of His divine nature and His omnipotent deity. When our Lord Jesus calmed the storm, He was claiming the right to rule the world that He created. It is tragic that so many people treat Jesus as if he's some kind of weakling that must bend to their wills or treat him as nothing more than fire insurance or a a quick ticket into heaven. All the power in heaven and on earth is in Christ's hands. He is almighty God. He could have held the Pollock's plane up in the air as surely as he stilled that storm. He could have given uh, Forrest Pollock and his son a safe landing. He was with Forrest and with his son. He was engaged and attentive to their situation. God's goodness and his love surrounded that plane. Even as that plane went down, God was working all things together for their good. In some way, we won't ever understand it. This was good for Pastor Pollock's family and the congregation at Bell Shoals Baptist Church. Although we'll never understand God's designs and plans, we can know with absolute certainty That Jesus Christ, our almighty God and Savior, is good and that He has a good purpose in everything that He brings about in our life. If you do not belong to the Lord Jesus, you have no such assurance. But we have that assurance. The Bible says that Jesus is an anchor for our souls. Because he entered behind the curtain, went into the most holy place, so to speak, by his death and by his resurrection.
He paid for our sins by His blood on the cross. He redeemed us completely. Past, present, future sins wiped away. He has secured our adoption into God's family. He truly is an anchor for our souls when we are going through the storms of life, however severe they may be. However long those storms may endure, He is good and has a good purpose in all He does. I urge you. I exhort you. All of you who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, take a large view of Christ and His power. Don't put Jesus in a box of your own making. Don't doubt His power or His love for you. Look at the reaction of the disciples in verse 25. Their little box that they had built for Jesus was exploded. Verse 25, And Jesus said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid. And they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water? And they obey him. Their view of Jesus expanded when he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. They were afraid and marveled. Your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is almighty God and full of glory. He is strong to save. Whatever storm you have faced or are facing or will face is in His strong hands. You are in His strong hands. He was strong enough to save us from the just wrath of God Almighty. He was strong enough to reconcile us to the great God of heaven and earth. He was strong enough to rescue us from the dominion of darkness. And so you know that He can and will carry you through the storms of life. Even those most furious storms that would threaten to to drown us. He is a Savior that is sufficient for all your storms, for all your temptations, for all your weaknesses. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as we pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are sufficient for our salvation, sufficient for all the struggles all the temptations, all the weaknesses. Lord, we thank you that we are in your hands, that our entire life is in your hands. Help us to trust in you. Lord, if I, pr- I pray that if there are those who are struggling to trust you this morning, remind them of your love. Gently care for them as the great shepherd that you are. But also, Lord, if there are those who are living in rebellion and running away, I pray that you would use your rod and staff to bring them back, bring them to yourself. Help us all.
to continually remember that Jesus is our true, sufficient, and only anchor for our souls. We pray in his name. Amen.